So we have choices in this world and opportunities that come our way. Sometimes we don't know how to reach out and grab those opportunities. And of course, the world isn't waiting for you to get started. It is moving on without you. And of course, this leads us to the idea of diminishing opportunity or diminishing marginal opportunity. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, opportunity costs, what it means to you as a property investor. We're going to dig into really the diminishing marginal opportunity in Australian real estate for property investors to get ahead. It's a pretty serious topic. Things are disappearing before our eyes. Even despite the trough the real estate market's going through at the moment, good opportunities are still very hard to find. Big part of my day every day is looking for opportunities. So let's have a chat about the diminishing opportunity marketplace we now operate in inside Australian real estate. The future of Australia real estate, where is it going? What does it mean to you as a property investor? Today's show is all about it. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. There are some rules. Play the show in double speed. And of course, uh, if you're into lessons on real estate, all the shows I've done are actually property lessons. So feel free to dart about, go back, listen to some past shows. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But play the program in double speed. Some people say I sound better at 1.5. I don't mind being the 1.5 guy. Hey, why not? But today, let's do it. Let's talk about opportunity costs. Of course, opportunity cost is the cost of what you are giving up to do what you are currently doing. Does that sound confusing? Well, simply opportunity costs are the things that get away from you and escape you because of inaction. Quite often you'll hear property investors uh, like old fishermen talk about the the catch that got away. Uh, we often talk about the one that we missed out on as property investors. There could even be an, a bar, a property investors pub where uh, investor bar flies sit around and talk about the property that got away. We've all got one of those stories. I've got plenty of them. Uh, certainly the first property I bought, I chose a degrade property because I was more concerned about where it was close to where I basically grew up and also I didn't want to push the price envelope because I was worried about my back pocket. I could have actually borrowed more at the time when I purchased my first property and secured an absolute A-grade property. I didn't do it because I was conservative, um, I was enthusiastic and I tell you what, I look at that opportunity quite often. It's in the suburb of Balmain. It was uh, a little bit more than the property I bought at the time, my first property. But that property has gone on to basically almost quadruple in value over uh, a period of time. And the first asset I bought, uh, thankfully I sold it, but it was a dud. 
So we have choices in this world and opportunities that come our way. Sometimes we don't know how to reach out and grab those opportunities. And of course, the world isn't waiting for you to get started. It is moving on without you. And of course, this leads us to the idea of diminishing opportunity or diminishing marginal opportunity. So when I define diminishing opportunity in Australian real estate, I can really link it to a couple of ways to view the problem. The first is policy, the second is place, and the third is product, the three P's of diminishing opportunity. Now, obviously, when it comes to the idea around policy, uh, Australian real estate is gearing up to move on from property investors at a mum and dad level to provide property solutions to tenants. I talked about this in the last podcast that I went through. There are some massive things unfolding inside of providing long tenure to the tenant marketplace. Most notably, of course, is the build to rent movement. It's just started in this country and will eventually become one of the controlling narratives to provide housing to the rental market inside Australia. What that will do from a policy level is uh, certainly um, provide tenure to tenants. It may take the pressure from a policy point of view to encourage property investment from a mum and dad level. And of course, as we know, affordability is linked to supply. The whole purpose of creating supply is to create affordability. And really, for the last 50 years, supply has been created by mum and dads having a crack at property investment. As we know, that is something that is connected to what mum and dad can borrow. And as such, the policy around that is morphing. And this is where we're seeing, as I alluded to last podcast, big companies like Mervac, Blackstone, Uh, Sentinel coming in to provide uh, longer tenure to the housing marketplace through obviously build to rent. So it is creating for the most part less stock being produced for the resale marketplace. Eventually that has a flow on effect and creates a diminishing opportunity situation for people to own real estate. In other words, let's face it, if real estate goes up another 10 or 20% at some point, for a lot of areas that will max out property investors who perhaps have a moderate income. So the time money race is real for many people because they are racing policy. Policy is gearing up for more tenants in Australia. You're seeing that through all sorts of schemes being introduced into parliaments, uh, ways to control the rental market. Uh, I know, for example, uh, you know, many state premiers have a passion to create affordability. They don't know how to do that by creating it through someone buying real estate. So they're doing it at a tenant level. Australia will be full of tenants by mid-century. We as property investors want to plant 
the seed so we can be one of those people that owns those assets. But when you think about it, the Australian real estate market place is very much underpinned by the cost to deliver real estate in Australia. Australia is led by migration. More people want to come to Australia. So you need to provide more roofs overheads. It doesn't get cheaper to produce more goods. It doesn't get cheaper to pay people uh, a wage. You have inflation connected to the cost to deliver new product to the marketplace. So really the only way to stimulate investors into the market is the instrument of debt. If debt is taken away from investors, there is a diminishing opportunity to use debt to become a property investor. Government obviously are linking the idea that they can't rely on mum and dad property investor to provide housing to the tenant market. So obviously teaming up with the likes of Blackstone to create uh, assets for the tenant market. Again, where does this link? As I alluded to last time, this actually links to eventually there is no new stock produced to be sold to mum and dad investor. Hence, mum and dad investor has to then rely on the existing marketplace, which is a diminishing pool of stock. In other words, there is going to be less real estate and more people into the future as more real estate is withheld and uh, put to build to rent lifetime rental properties. So diminishing opportunity is real. Uh, it It is happening right before your eyes. So if you don't reach out and do something about it, what happens is five years goes by and you go, "Wish I wish I did that. Obviously, when it comes to uh, diminishing opportunity, we're also seeing that in things like uh, certain council areas are restricting who can use properties for things like short stay. If we look at Noosa, for example, Noosa is a um, you know great holiday destination for Australians. Uh, today, it's a closed shop. The monopoly's been created. If you were doing short stay, uh, you can now continue to do that. But if you want to do short stay, you can't. You won't be offered a license. So for those people who are uh, currently approved, they're going to print money. They will print bucket loads of money, a lifetime amount of money. They've been given the ticket to the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. In real estate, we have a a concept known as uh, existing use. So if a property has been approved for a certain use during a certain period of time, it under a certain planning instrument, then if you own that asset, the way you use that asset goes back to its original use. Even if things change around you, Um, If you've been using it the way it is meant to be used, you can continue that use. So existing use, for example, in Noosa was those people doing short stay. They were granted the opportunity to continue to do that by virtue of the rights that can be found under existing use title. So uh, 
basically what that means is if you own real estate, the sooner you own it, the better off you're going to be because when it comes to uh, how your property rights are protected, as soon as you own it, you fundamentally, the law grandfathers and goes with that. So what the difference is, is diminishing policy opportunity. So in other words, uh, what's to say policy isn't different six years from now? Uh, a policy or provision or a new law comes into place that replaces the current way of doing things. Uh, those people who are currently doing things the way they are today will uh, have that existing use and the rule or the law will be grandfathered to those investors. So the point of the conversation here is no one can guarantee what the future looks like when it comes to policy, but if you own real estate now, you can control today's policy. And if we actually look at today's policy, it is very, very good. Negative gearing exists. Uh, there are tax abatements for uh, investment properties. Investors get uh, some high rewards for taking the risk to provide tenure to the rental market. Obviously, if things change in the future, the existing use remains with the uh, particular um, people who are already using that use. So don't underestimate opportunity actually gets diminished as policies change. And as much as that uh, is um, a reality, you you see it every day. Like, you know, when you first own a property, um, sometimes, you know, you could change the rent every six months. Now it's every 12 months. So there's legislated change and then there's also you know, high policy change, which fundamentally gets grandfathered. So we know policy is a thing here in Australia. Governments at work, they're doing things. These are the opportunities. They're diminishing. Your property rights are being taken away. So the sooner you get your property under your belt, the more likely you are to protect your property rights. So the second P is place. And obviously, we as property investors have an opportunity to move money somewhere. Uh, when it comes to our global cities, Sydney, Alpha Sydney, you know, the opportunity has disappeared for a lot of investors. The opportunity cost to buy in Alpha Sydney, and when I say Alpha Sydney, I'm talking around Sydney Harbour, you know, 15, 20 k's to the city, you know, perhaps get something with land content. Um, you know, it diminished a long time ago. The opportunity costs left the market 10 years ago. You needed to buy 15 years ago to extrapolate to own real estate in what is one of the world's best real estate market places. So where do you move your money to? Well, this is an interesting question. I look at uh, places as a funnel. Um, you know, obviously, there are plenty of dying towns that you can move your money to. There are plenty of broken towns, small, uh, wishy-washy places that you can move to your money to. There is no diminishing opportunity 
There is plentiful opportunity. Where is the diminishing opportunity? Well, it certainly sits in our global cities, places like Melbourne and Sydney. It's going to be very, very hard soon to even buy in Melbourne. Uh, We've seen diminishing opportunity in Brisbane. Brisbane, five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, was an opportunist market. Now, it is a uh, diminishing opportunity market. In other words, it takes a lot more to find something that is fair market value for the next journey. Uh, so for us as property investors, I always coach this as a, as a funnel. Start at global cities, go to new world cities, then to capital cities, primate cities, feeder cities. These are places where over time your opportunity costs disappear. In other words, it becomes more difficult to buy in those places. Now, when I teach investment and building a portfolio. I teach the five properties in five cities plan. It's a simple plan. What it really is alluding to within the plan is that there is going to be a uh, cost of opportunity if you don't take action in certain places. The cost of opportunity of investing in Alpha Sydney disappeared a long time ago. The cost of opportunity of Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Hobart, Canberra are diminishing. So if you're, uh, you want to own an asset in a good marketplace, a marketplace where the populace lives and that you can bank on that area will continue to perform into your retirement, then you've got to reach out and grab it before it goes or what fundamentally ends up happening is people will then have to go to subpar places, Darwin, uh, you know, uh, areas in, uh, you know, secondary places in our uh, primary uh, areas, right? So when it comes to city, uh, you know, very much it's an opportunity risk if you don't play the game. Um, I certainly see some, uh, you know, still some some opportunity in places like Melbourne, Adelaide uh, and Brisbane, but they're diminishing, they're, they're disappearing. Now, I've been teaching this mantra for a while that five properties, five cities, it is worth uh, doing, like it is worth investing that way. Uh, I've recently seen some clients talk about their five cities strategy, and it's just been awesome to watch what has unfolded for those people that reach five properties in five cities because they have crushed it over the, their uh, 10 year journey. But in 2019, I wrote a book. Uh, it's called The Money Magnets of Property Investing. It's paperback. You can buy it on Amazon. I actually wrote it before COVID-19 and kind of launched it the week uh, the pandemic launched. And uh, it went down like a lead balloon. Obviously, there was more important things going on in the world rather than reading a book by me. But uh, yeah, the book never took off. Uh, I actually got disgruntled as a writer. Um, writing is a lonely sport. You feel like your words are, you know, artistic and beautiful. And today no one reads anything. So uh, yeah, when I wrote that book in late 2019... The five cities plan was to buy uh, one property in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide. Uh, if we look at the price of the assets, then 
Sydney was 918, Melbourne 751, Perth 451, Brisbane 539, Adelaide 468 as an average house price for those cities. I'll say it again, Sydney 918, you can see as I was alluding to, even back in 2019, Sydney was like the opportunity had gone. You missed it um, because most property investors aren't spending 918. Not the ones I work with, they're spending a lot less. Uh, so back in 2019, you really had Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane and Adelaide, whereby you could really have the pick of the litter when it came to your property investment journey. In fact, back then, the uh, total um, combined capital cities portfolio of cities with more than 1 million persons in it, the Australian portfolio, if you just bought the average price house price property, was $3.129 million. A really good portfolio because if you apply a 3% inflation rate, you're making $93,000 in uh, basically growth to keep up with inflation per annum. And as we know, real estate does generally grow above inflation. So once you subtract out inflation, obviously that portfolio um, would have done well. How well it went, by the way, is, is now published. Like if we look at the five properties, five cities, strategy September uh, 2022 and I just pulled this data from uh, CoreLogic's September report. Um, obviously you're listening to this um, a little bit later than September. I couldn't get the October figures so I'm just using the September figures. Sydney 1.283, Melbourne 937, Brisbane 841, Adelaide 704, Perth 584. We can see we are now in a diminishing opportunity realm when it comes to keeping up with the average of property being uh, promoted in Melbourne, Brisbane and Adelaide. If we go back to 2019, um, Melbourne was 751, now it's 937. For a lot of property investors, it's now out of reach. The opportunity has disappeared, it's left the building. If we go to Brisbane, it was 539. Now it's 841. What a run. Uh, I'd been helping people pre-purchase in Brisbane all the way back to 2012 to get that run. No one knows when the run comes, but when it comes, boy, didn't it bite. Uh, if we look at Adelaide back in 2019, 468 now is 704. Interesting, remember the average portfolio of 1 million person cities back in uh, 2019 was 3,129,000 with an inflation rate of 3%. It's fundamentally, uh, you could subtract that out over two or three years um, because obviously inflation is inflation. But look at the new value. If Even if you extrapolated three years of inflation or, um, you know, a, a couple of hundred grand out there because things naturally cost more, uh, the Australian portfolio today is now $4.352 million. Now, I've got real people, real customers who have taken that approach and applied it 
and uh, it blows my mind just seeing it. It's fantastic. I love it when a plan comes together. But obviously, we are now in a situation where your cost or lack of uh, doing something is quite often causing a trip hazard or an opportunity cost. What I mean by that is, again, if you look at, for example, uh, the Melbourne market, Brisbane market, Adelaide market, if it bumps again, it's over. It's kind of like Sydney. Um, There's still a little bit of hope in all those places. And of course, a big part of my journey is finding that hope at the moment, very affordable and livable places for people to secure their rights to own real estate in our premier cities. But it is diminishing. You know, what do you get for a million dollars in our cities? You know, in Perth, you could uh, really could go to Crawley in WA. You know, you're a three-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment with some nice, you know, decent views of, uh, of the Swan River. You know, you're at a million bucks. Uh, you could go to Newtown, Tasmania, you know, a um, older style home. You're at, you know, one, one million bucks. Uh, Port Melbourne, you know, a real shabby looking shack built in the turn of the last century, needing a lot of repair, needing a full gut, maybe a full um, reno. You know, you're at one, one, right? This is Port Melbourne. You know, it's 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 tough out there. In Sydney, you've got really two choices. You can go to the edge of the city, almost basically where the city basically, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so far away from the centre of the city. It's probably closer to Canberra than Sydney. Uh, Campbelltown, you know, I've got some mates out in Campbelltown. It's a nice place. It's 70 k's out of the city. You know, you're looking at a rehab property, something to refurb at basically $900,000. Or you can get yourself a tiny, tiny two-bedroom apartment uh, close to the harbour for a million bucks in a place like Dremoyne, Sydney. See, now we live in a mega region, the place between Brisbane and Melbourne, all the way along the coastline. Really, we don't see too much price discrepancy between all of those major cities from Geelong to Brisbane from the Gold Coast to Newcastle from Newcastle to Melbourne. So you're under threat. You have a threat, an opportunity threat. And of course, the concept of diminishing opportunity is the idea that over time, places disappear. Now, uh, I like to use this example when I talk about diminishing land opportunity or diminishing um, proximity opportunity. In 2008, I bought a $400,000 townhouse investment. It was six kilometers to the city center of Sydney. Uh, by 2013, the market had risen by around 30%. The same townhouse was 60 kilometres, not six kilometres, but 60 kilometres to the city for 400000 For every 1% the property market rises, you can add around two kilometres of proximity loss. 
I'll say that again. For every 1% the property market rises, you can add around two kilometers of proximity loss. It is a very important thing to understand. So when it comes to sitting on the fence or talking about, well, you know, the rates aren't perfect today, opportunity cost is real. And when the market goes, it goes. Diminishing proximity loss is real. It's a real loss for cities. It's tough in the mega region, which most of Australia's population live in, the mega region of Melbourne to Brisbane. And of course, when it comes to diminishing proximity loss, our sublocations are also under threat. What is a sublocation? Well, cities have rings. We have the inner urban ring, the middle suburban ring, or the out and the outer greenfield corridor ring. I'll say it again. We have the inner urban ring, we have the middle uh, suburban ring, and we have the outer ring where new greenfield land is produced. So what is not technically under threat is outer greenfield land. It is abundant. Uh, It is slow to be produced, but it is not under threat. What is under threat If you are an investor and you look at some of the better cities to own real estate in from your retirement's point of view, um, i.e. it's probably better to have a property in Melbourne for your retirement than Rockhampton. It's just logic that one economy is more powerful than the other economy. So if you go to places like uh, Sydney, it's extinct buying an inner city apartment for uh, an entry-level price. If you go to the middle suburban area of Sydney, the middle ring, 25 kilometres, you know, where there's been lots of capital growth over the years, it's extinct. You you need $2 million. Uh, And of course, what that means is for other areas, there is diminishing opportunity to snare opportunity in those areas. So if you go to Melbourne, it's in a ring under threat. If you go to Melbourne's middle ring, it's under threat. If you can afford the opportunity to get into those areas before the opportunity diminishes, that's the game. That's the game. Same in Brisbane, same in Canberra. A lot of Canberra is extinct now for people. Unless you're parking up a million bucks for a house or more, it's extinct. So property investors are extinct. And of course, um, you know, what is occurring is property investment is becoming a rich person sport because rich people can keep up with the best locations. There's less diminishing opportunity for rich people then there are average people. And of course, my argument is play the game of the rich person. Get in where they're buying. Buy where the rich buy and you'll get the same result as the rich. Uh, So you've got to be able to keep up. And of course, what happens is when supply is created, it is naturally sent to the more affordable pockets of the city. Why? Because supply is designed for affordability. If you can buy uh, an area whereby the area is still affordable and lightly supplied, it eventually runs out of supply. And of course, you get a corresponding 
level of capital growth because there is no new stock produced because that area in itself is now extinct to the production of stock. So for a lot of property investors, the opportunity or the sweet spot is the end of the supply chain in an affordable yet highly livable suburb within the inner urban ring or the suburban middle ring, but it is getting more difficult. So what have you got to do? You've got to weigh up whether doing nothing is going to cost you opportunity. Opportunity matters in real estate. Uh, We know that, you know, there are now extremes inside of Australian real estate. You go down to the rocks in Sydney or to Miller's Point or to Circular Quay. I mean, the an apartment close to the Harbour Bridge, people pay $100,000 per meter, per meter to live on Sydney Harbour. Now, that is a absurd, you know, absurd amount of money to pay to live and look at the Opera House and the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But again, it is a good example of what we would refer to as diminishing opportunity. You know, one of the first deals I ever did was over in Kirribilli, um, you know, looking at the Harbour Bridge. You know, people are now paying um, $100,000 a metre to look at the Harbour Bridge. Bonkers. So those opportunities don't last. They disappear. The water view, the beach view, the park view, they go. And because they go, they're harder to find. And they cost more to buy. So obviously when it comes to efficient real estate, you, if you want efficient real estate, it's running out. So my advice to you is to consider diminishing opportunity costs. Are you currently, uh, do you have enough assets in good places before the cost for you to buy those assets disappears? Now, Again, when it comes to analysing this stuff, I often put together models. One model I uh, work on is the pyramid of mobility. Mobility is a real thing. Movement is real. People need to get places, do things, be part of communities. Uh, When I analyse real estate, I often look for the big four. The big four are central business districts, central lifestyle districts, thriving local neighbourhoods and Netflix dormitory communities. What's a Netflix dormitory community? It's a community where there's nothing to do but watch Netflix and stay home. Diminishing opportunity relates to mobility. Today, there are real estate markets where you can cycle, walk, scooter, Uber ride, use light transport like bus, tram, light rail or ferry, uh, and they are connected to central business districts, central lifestyle districts, thriving local neighbourhoods, and also those people who live there can Netflix and chill anytime they want. Remember, the further you're pushed out, the less mobility you're going to get. Today, because of diminishing opportunity costs, people have to buy regional Regional, you're basically to get to a central business district, lifestyle precinct, uh, you might have to use the regional train. You may have to drive a couple of hours. That's the reality of diminishing opportunities. My argument is 
why not have it all? The right travel experience, the right offering, and that saves you time. When time saves uh, people, when people save time, they pay more for it. And so obviously the pyramid of mobility is the idea that things are diminishing. Uh, there is diminishing opportunity to buy a property 20Ks from Melbourne CBD and use the CBD, but also uh, a local lifestyle centre or buy an asset 20Ks from the CBD, which has a thriving neighbourhood. So what happens is people are pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed further and further afield until really they're exposed to areas which are full of opportunity. There is no diminishing opportunity. They are areas which are abundant with stuff. Uh, there is no price problem in those places. And again, it is a real concept when it comes to real estate. Obviously, I think even last podcast, I mentioned that we now have a diminishing climate situation. So places are disappearing. You know, as I might have mentioned last podcast, Lismore is being bought back. That means all of a sudden, uh, half a township is disappearing. Land is disappearing because climate is affecting land. Places are getting harder to put together because so much property is actually connected to bushfire risk or flood risk in Australia. Diminishing opportunity. There's also the diminishing opportunity of the third place. Of course, the third place is something I love buying in. Third place is a predictor of capital growth. I'm a big fan of buying real estate with a third place because you can always renovate real estate, but you can never change its location. A property next to a beautiful mountain view or a beautiful view of uh, a uh, waterway or a beautiful park next door or on a golf course or next to a beach or two streets back from an awesome coffee shop. All of that stuff adds value to real estate. Today, there is a diminishing opportunity to buy the third place, to buy an asset and get space. Space is disappearing. All of a sudden, for property investors, if they don't take the opportunity, what will the cost be? I don't know the answer to that. Time will tell. Will there be less diminishing opportunity for asset to space ratio? And of course, when it comes to the law of diminishing opportunity, we also have to go into the product zone. The product zone, of course, is the idea that real estate is something. It is a real building. You know, if you bought real estate 30 years ago, you probably could have secured yourself a beautiful architectural masterpiece, Federation home. Uh, Georgian home, uh, you know, Art Deco, whatever it may be today, that real estate is more expensive than ever before. You've missed the opportunity. In the 1980s, there was the standard quarter acre block, which was, uh, you know, in our major cities. Today, we are down to 100 metre blocks, diminishing opportunity. Obviously, if you can buy something with a decent level of land, 
in a good pocket then and you can get it at an affordable rate, you're doing really, really well because, again, it is getting harder and harder and harder for that opportunity to exist. Uh, you know, back in the day, um, you know, you could have got, for example, the uh, things like a duplex. You know, 10 years ago, you could have bought brand new in a good middle ring suburb of, uh, you know, good cities like Newcastle for $650,000, you could have got two houses side by side uh, that are today called duplexes. Uh, to, to d- now, limited opportunity to do that. So, you know, uh, 15 years ago, you could have bought a block of flats. Opportunities disappeared. You know, 10 years ago, you could have got a 600 square meter block. Opportunity disappeared. Uh, you know, five years ago, you could have got what I call a flight to quality asset in a urban rebirth location, which was second to none. In other words, a brand new property bang on staring at, you know, for example, the, uh, you know, the, the, the double reach of the Brisbane River. You could have got it for $600,000. Today, that asset is $1.7 million. It's gone. It's extinct. So again, like when it comes to the levers you've got to pull is you've got to be invested because to remain uninvested, you risk what we call opportunity costs. And you really do need to borrow as much as you possibly can as soon as you can and choose the right asset allocation so that you end up in a place where you're always invested. Remember, when it comes to the idea of what's suitable inside the real estate market today, we are now looking at the eradication, for example, of flight to quality apartments in inner city locations, uh, we are now looking at the eradication of even townhouses in middle ring suburban areas. They are drifting up. They go, they're pushing close to a million dollars in some cases. So when I talk about opportunity costs, I'm talking about a number. The number of spending $1 million will get you whatever you really want inside Australian real estate. But if you drop down to around circa 700 or below, opportunities are pretty slim and it takes some skill set to find them. They are out there, but now they are diamonds in the rough. Your job is to grab them before they too disappear and your opportunity to be an investor pushes you to a more risky and more volatile place. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let opportunity costs pass you by. Uh, I'll leave it there today. Thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you next time as we talk more real estate. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, 
Take care and bye for now.